0: Welcome to the
1: Asylum, and now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right, coming at you live from Studio B, it's the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network.
0: We are Flieger and Briggs, welcome back into the Asylum. Conference finals, buddy.
1: It's time. Good divisional week, well, good divisional Sunday, anyhow.
0: Yeah, it was, but, yeah, uh, welcome to the Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs right here on the Arena Sports Network. And, uh, hey, folks, become a member of the ASN Honor Roll by logging on to arenasportsnet.com slash ASN Honor Roll as your monthly contribution will help us continue our two main missions, which are to bring the spotlight back to the student-athlete and to continue bringing great and honest sports talk to the waves as only we can here at arena sports network well i
1: need to get on that rick because that will easily be the only honor roll i've ever been a part of and it's probably time i couldn't earn one so i buy myself onto one
0: right well that's what you and did then i can
1: walk around saying i was on the honor roll i can get one of those bumper stickers you know, give it to my mom you know my my son is the arena sports net honor roll she exactly finally almost 40 years later be proud of
0: me exactly so speaking. And then you could do like a commercial like Larry Fitzgerald. Hey, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> I got on the honor roll. That's right. At the University of Phoenix. That's
1: right. I'd fail out of there, too, though. So I shouldn't mock it. I'm not smart. I'm not book smart, but I'm wily, Rick. I'm crafty. No, you're not. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, like I said, we had a good sort of par for the course after wildcard weekend on Saturday. A great. Well, a great game on Sunday and another close game, I guess we'll put it at that. I think tonight we are going to go ahead and break down all of those games, all the nuance, anything we want to talk about there. Obviously, we got to preview these games. I am going to release Rick my way too early First two rounds, top 24 for the 2017 fantasy football season. Curious what you think. I went off board in a few areas, just way too early, I know, but we'll discuss that at the time. More sports headlines. Maybe we'll get into some regular news. Maybe Who
0: knows what's going to happen tonight? But let's start with the foosball. We could do that, right? Yeah, why not? I mean, it was a wonderful weekend. And for the record, I am 8 and 0 so far. Yeah. L- luckily, I'm 7 and 1. I was sitting at 7 and 0. I had taken Kansas City
1: last week. You took Pittsburgh, so it was one of those deals where I was rooting for myself to lose. I, I kind of said it at the time I was maybe hedging myself. <laughs> I and we to be... said
0: it was a field goal would make the difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, 18-16. Apparently
1: six of them made the difference. <laughs> well, <yeah. But laughs> we'll get to that game last. Let's just take them right in order here, Rick. I'll tell you what, this first one surprised me not in who won, because this is who we both predicted, but in the dominating fashion that the Atlanta Falcons just smashed the Seattle Seahawks 36-20.
0: Yeah, they did. And Matt Ryan looked great. I mean, you know, what else can you say? What was it, 338 yards, three touchdowns? And everybody was involved in this game right? on Atlanta, which makes them all the more dangerous, I think. You know, it wasn't just... Julio Jones, eleven catches. No. Buck seventy five and three touchdowns or something like that. It was everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean if if you look at it, you know, Coleman, eleven rushes. You had Freeman with fourteen combined for a hundred, but around fifty each, three catches for Coleman. One, I'm sorry, four. Yeah, four for Freeman. So spread it around there. Julio Jones six catches, 67 yards, had the touchdown. It looks like he reaggravated that toe. We'll talk about that a lot when we pre when we preview the game. Taylor Gabriel with four for 71. Sanu four for 44 and a touchdown. Th- that offense looks about unstoppable. And what surprised me, Rick, was. Their defense their defense looked fast for all the points they've given up this year. Quite frankly, for as bad as they have been this year, they looked fast. They made big plays. They created turnovers. If they play defense like that, Sunday is going to be real interesting when they take on the Packers.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also kind of a testament to Seattle just isn't hitting the cylinders this no. year. Hey, Thomas Rawls, 11 rushes, 34 yards. Russell Wilson – what, 224 – 225 yards, excuse me, 17 to 30, two picks, two touchdowns, just a real vanilla day, which is basically what he's done all year. Yeah. Nothing spectacular from him. Him and Baldwin hit that run
1: that they had most of the season last year for about a four or five-game stretch in the middle of the season. But at the beginning of the year, it was non-existent, and at the end of the year, they were just – flat bat now now the defense is banged up you know I'll, I'll give them that they're not the same team on the road but I what is missing is the offense Thomas Rawls you look at the wild card game Rick the way they rolled through that it to me, comes down to having a running game. That's what that offense and what Russell Wilson can do is predicated upon going back to Marshawn Lynch days. And when Thomas Rawls isn't having – apparently Marshawn likes that take. But when Thomas Rawls – Thomas Rawls had the big week last week. What do you have, 130 yards? Comes out this week. They only get 11 rushes out of him, nothing out of him. And that offense isn't built for – for Russell Wilson to just drop back 40 times. That's not who they are.
0: No, they're about Marshawn Lynch. He's all about that action boss, and, I mean, it's just not getting just it. just about that action boss. There you right. go. But I, Marshawn's I, on it. He's right there. And when they don't have that action boss and they're in the run game, they're done. Yeah, it's
1: – and that's what – you just wonder. They're banged up on defense, but they're getting a little older. You wonder if that runs over. You call it a dynasty, I don't know, played in a couple Super Bowls, won one, should have won another. It just It's so hard to play there. Russell Wilson's good enough, but I don't think he's in that category of elite quarterbacks. So no. I'll tell you what, if we want to spin it to fantasy football, he was my guy going into this season, and he hurt me in a lot of places. He, he sets up for those big games, but it comes down to, I don't know, Rick, as we go, I think one of the hot-button guys in fantasy football heading into 2017 is going to be Thomas Rawls. When he's when he's on, it's really good. When he's good, he's really good. But, he just, he number one, he can't stay healthy, and he just seems to disappear for stretches. Yeah, and when
0: do you draft a guy like Rawls? I don't know. F- for your running? I mean, are you gonna for an R B two with this cat? Or are you gonna to try to get some wide receivers ahead of him? How far can you go? I mean somebody's gonna grab him probably. I think he
1: slots as an R B two. I just don't know that he performs there. I right. guess that's kind of a cop out, I understand. But when I sit down and make rankings and then put together, you know, my top 24 running backs, which I haven't done, I did an overall top 24. Thomas Rawls, just based on potential and ability and being a number one running back, if he can get on the field, has to be there. So I think he slots there. But I have no
0: faith, Rick, that he performs at that level. No, I don't either. I mean, number one, he's he's banged up a lot. Seattle just seems out of sync. And I'm not sure – Quite frankly, he's going to be the guy. Oh, they game, bring somebody else in. Game don't you think? after game after game, and that's what you look for. I, I mean you know, you you look for I mean we're comparing him to Marshawn Lynch, I understand that, but you still want a guy like Legarrett Blunt that you know is going right. to get a lion's share of those carries and delivers on those carries with Rawls. You know, you you can have some of these carries we, we lamented about um, Isaiah Crowell owners. Right. Hey, You know, he averaged one game 12 yards a carry. He had a buck 20, only had 10 <laughs> he carries because he wouldn't run yeah. them. <laughs> right. Rawls gets 10 carries. He gets about 30 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's – he baffles me.
1: And, well, and let's be honest, and we're putting this on Russell Wilson, and deservedly so. He had a tough year. And the offensive line. Yeah. And, But this read option has to be predicated on a fear of being able to run the ball, right? Right. You're running this misdirection. You're faking the handoff and rolling Wilson out to the other side. If you've got no respect or no fear for the running game, you're not going to overplay that handoff, and you're going to take Russell Wilson away. And and you see it here in these games where – what was Rawls' final numbers? Uh, 11 11 for for 34. 11 for 34. Didn't have a catch, so you had no fear of Thomas Rawls whatsoever. So you key on Russell Wilson. If he doesn't, he's not a pocket quarterback. You get tired of saying that; that's starting to feel like a cliche. But he's not a classic drop back pocket quarterback. He needs space. He needs that read option. And you can't run that if you no one has any respect for your rushing game. No,
0: I mean it's a simple. Play action pass, same idea. Right. Does not work if they don't care if you're running the football. Right. I mean, they're not even going to bite on it. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Go ahead. It's if you the burn same me thing here? with the read option, like you said. It's just if you don't have a running game, all that stuff's out the window, and they're concentrating on Baldwin. Right. Period. Exactly. I'm a. I'm going to ham Russell Wilson in, and I'm going to
1: lock down Baldwin, and that's the end of your offense. Now, one guy I'm curious about, Rick, it's, it's way too early, and we'll have to see what the offseason does. But a young man by the name of Paul Richardson has done made a name for himself these last two weeks in the playoffs. Yeah. Making these Odell Beckham like catches. And, you know, not huge numbers. What do he have last week? Four for 83, but these one handed catches. He's going to be, I think, uh, highly touted or at least discussed a lot in the offseason what do you make of it is there enough room well, let's just say that's who he is is there enough room in that offense with the way they do things for Paul Richardson to be a
0: viable fantasy football option sure I, I he continues to perform like that there's plenty of room right let's face it Hey, you say you brought up a guy and, you know, he's making Odell Beckham-type catches. Well, I mean, I know he's not that. But if you said – if if or would they have room for Odell Beckham on that team? <laughs> well, that's true. You know what I'm saying? You're I right. mean, if he keeps performing, of course there's tons of room. Simple as that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see when a guy can make plays like that. What we didn't see for him and, – and, again, it's only two games. And the playoffs tend to – Vernon Davis is who kept coming to mind when I was watching Paul Richardson do this for two weeks, where you know I've been a Vernon Davis mark since the day he was drafted, Yeah, just talking about his athleticism. And for whatever reason, he caught my eye, and I I, I rode that pony forever. And for six to 14 out of every 16 regular season games – he was invisible. And when they had their run with Colin Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh for two years into the playoffs and getting to a Super Bowl, every time we got to the playoffs, Vernon Davis took things over. And finally, I'd, I'd get on. I'm sure I did it. I don't remember, but I'm sure I got on and said, see, Rick, I've been telling you since he was drafted out of Maryland, this guy is uncoverable. He's an absolute freak. Watch out for him. He's my number two tight end going into the fantasy season right. next year. And he'd take the whole damn regular <laughs> season off and do it again the next year in the playoffs so I hesitate to go crazy over Paul Richardson but his name's going to come up and he's going to find himself drafted next year
0: well the thing is you talk about is there room I mean who's going to keep him off the field other than Baldwin. Well, I don't mean getting in the lineup
1: obviously. He's I think he's clearly made himself number 2 wide receiver on this team. But in what they do, can they feed enough wide receivers? Do they have to change what they? You know, we don't
0: know what Seattle's going to do in the off season. It goes right back to what you were saying just a few minutes ago. You need to run the football, right? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, and then it opens up. There's plenty for everybody. Then, exactly. You're right. I think that's what it comes
1: down to. Well, let's move on from that, Rick, to another game. Uh, It was closer for a half, anyhow, certainly than we thought it would be. But in the end, the Golden Boy and the Patriots beat the Texans thirty-four to sixteen. Now, what surprised me about this one was just how poorly Tom Brady played, or how really good that Texans defense is.
0: Look, it was the number one defense in the entire foot league. Out JJ Watt. That is so terrifying. Exactly. Terrifying. It, I mean, it didn't really surprise me that they were giving Brady fits for a while, but it just goes to show you once it wears on when if you have no offense, sooner or later that just doesn't win you football games all the time. Right. And they have no I mean, yeah, they were talking about I saw it on Twitter somewhere. Oh, you know, Houston going into the off season with a question at quarterback. No, they don't. It's a fact. They need a quarterback. Yeah, he's got to go. Th- there's he's... not a question. It's, it's not a quarterback controversy. They don't have a franchise quarterback on that team. And if they did, if they
1: had even – I'm trying to throw a middle-of-the-pack type of guy. Help
0: me out here. Who was there last year? All of them. <laughs> Hoyer and – Hoyer. Name him. Hoyer. Brian Hoyer for the majority of the stars. I always right. get him in count. Look at Hopkins' stats with Hoyer's Well, we talked
1: about that last week when I gave Osweiler the least valuable player right. in fantasy football. exactly. Not for my expectations of him, but he destroyed both Lamar Miller and DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not, you know. And you saw Hopkins' numbers bounce back instantly with Tom freaking Savage. Right. Tom Savage, for
0: God's sake. I, I don't understand it. They've got to get somebody in in the offseason or at least draft, a- and I can see, okay, they've won two division titles in a row basically without a quarterback. doesn't last long. You know, I mean, we're already seeing J.J. Watt suffers from injuries. This defense can't maintain number one status playing 45 minutes a game. No, and that's what it comes down to. And, I mean, in a
1: playoff game – in Foxborough against a rested Patriots team, and you you hold Tom Brady under fifty percent completions and pick the ball off twice. That's a game you gotta win. And I'll tell you, what, if Ryan Tannehill was quarterbacking the Houston Texans, they may have won that game. Or at least it would have been a one-possession game and come down to the fourth quarter. You always have to assume the Patriots are going to find a way to win no yeah. matter what, right? But but they'd have been right in that game. And I'll tell you one thing, they'd have won that division by four games. If Even if you have a Ryan Tannehill is a name that's sort of jumping out at me, Alex Smith, somebody like that, if you have anybody even competent. I mean, look at Brock Osweiler. Here he does again. He throws the ball 40 times and doesn't reach 200 yards. <laughs> yeah. 40 times. He doesn't reach 200 and three yards. three
0: times as many picks as he had touchdowns. He is bigger
1: than the center on half the Division I college basketball teams in this country. And this loser can't get the ball over the line of scrimmage.
0: And what, what is he doing? And what does it say, and, and and this game is typical, It was. it's not just an illusion. DeAndre Hopkins last year, if he had six receptions, probably going to be over 100 yards. Oh, easily. 65 yards. Yeah. No touchdowns. Just bleh. think and dunk and deek and dunk. Yeah. I mean, it, it's gruesome. And you don't get many games like this from the Patriots offense. No, no. And i tell you what. This brings up, you know, getting a little ahead of ourselves. I was going to do it after we recap the games. But this right here is the difference between great organizations and up-and-coming or decent ones. Because the Patriots – the Steelers, you throw the Packers in there. Boy, we got a lot of work to do. We played like crap. Yeah, blah 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 blah. And here they are in the conference finals yeah, for the where other teams we made the playoffs. Woo! Oh no, yeah, ah! good you enough. Know. Job's yeah. done.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, used We won a wild card game against Connor Cook. I think I'll tell you what. For the first half of that game, though, they didn't play like they were just happy to be there. Defensively, anyhow. Well, no, they The didn't. offense is just so bad. Why, well, yeah. Brock Osweiler is so bad. You have weapons. You brought in Lamar Miller.
0: Lamar yeah. Miller, if to you, his defense, nineteen carries, seventy three yards, right. not bad. I mean, not great, but it was what four, about four yards. One, you are one hundred
1: percent being keyed upon. Right. Again, if you had Ryan Tannehill or somebody of that ilk as the quarterback of that team, Lamar Miller would have been a top five or six rusher this year because they had the willingness to run the ball, but no defensive coordinator in his mind respects this um, Osweiler or that passing game at all. He faced eight-man fronts every time
0: and still finished a year averaging almost four-and-a-half yards a carry. Exactly. And, And a lot of people, a lot of the naysayers, why are they bringing Peyton Manning back in? <laughs> well, I think we found out why. Yeah, yeah, and, and you wonder, you, you know, if you're used to,
1: yeah, you know, I don't know how the cap works. because he's got such a big number? But you look at a Tony Romo. I don't know what you do in the short term. But I think if you're a even a competent organization, you got to say, all right, we biffed it on this Osweiler thing. We're going to add was it 16 or 19 million? I forget what it is he's owed next year. About it. 16
0: too many, I know You're, you're going to have to
1: eat it. It's just what you're going to have to do, and you're going to have to bring in a, a warm body who can get a football over the line of scrimmage <laughs> and find yeah. C.J. Fedorowicz, find DeAndre Hopkins, and get the hell out of the way. I mean, it
0: could be that simple. I wonder if they have Matt Moore's number for a year. I mean, That'd be just just lovely.
1: (laughs) That'd be great. Tyrod Taylor's out of favor up in Buffalo. There's got to be somebody, somebody, anybody. If you can just even resemble a below-average passing game, this team could be playing this weekend.
0: Yeah. It's very possible. You're absolutely right. So
1: you make anything, Rick, anything whatsoever of the Patriots' struggles.
0: No, other than the fact that they were playing the number one defense I, I think in the league. What... And, you know, I, I'm not buying into – I'm still not buying into your, ah, they're vulnerable. There's a lot of chinks in that armor. They're still 15-2. and two. Brady had an off game against the, the best defense in the league, but they ended up winning by three scores. Do you know what my takeaway of
1: that was, though? And this is, as a Steeler fan, this is where – you, you're maybe able to be a little bit optimistic other than it just being a wild shootout and you have the ball last, which is likely if in the odd chance that the Steelers could win this game, how they're going to do it. If you look at those two interceptions, Rick, do you know what they both had in common? They were both targets to Michael Floyd. Yeah. The one just bounced off his fingertips. The other one was slightly behind him. I'm sitting there and I'm watching that and I'm thinking that shows me just how precise down to the tenth or hundredth of a second that offense is run and Tom Brady does things. And you bring in – and Michael Floyd, I don't think he did anything wrong, but what it told me is that timing was off You know that much. I'm pointing to my first knuckle on my finger. That's how much the timing was off and led to two interceptions. I, I think that's what it came down to, right? Oh, I think if that's Malcolm Mitchell or Chris Hogan or Julian Edelman, those those catches are made. I think there's just that it's it's that fine, and maybe it's that fine in every offense in
0: the league. I don't know, but in that offense, it certainly is. Well, we we witnessed with two games, in in fact, two games in a row with Pittsburgh. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, a little bit of sloppy play. We talk about if that was um, you know Edelman or somebody that was caught. I've seen Antonio Brown the last two games. At least three bounce off his hands. Yeah, you've been dropping the ball lately. And they can ill afford to do that. No, no. And you know, we're going to talk no plenty chance. about
1: Antonio Brown oh, later exactly. on, too. So we'll get it. So I don't know. We can probably move off this one, right, Rick? I think we spent yeah, more I than think the, time. Yeah, I think on the it.
0: best team won, and it really wasn't all that surprising. The first half was close, defense was giving Brady some fits. Set up Osweiler. You know, he did throw that one touchdown pass to Fedorowicz. Other than that, they were held to Zilcho, yeah. basically. A couple field goals. This yeah, Stink. I know, and then the Patriots took over, and they won by 18, three scores. Yep,
1: covered, covered the 16. We all laughed at the 16, and they covered. Not easily, but they covered it. All right, Rick, to what was easily not only the game of the weekend, the game of the playoffs, but the game of this season, Packers. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers, man, beat the Cowboys
0: 34-31. What can you say? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is out of his mind right now. I mean, three hundred fifty-five yards, two touchdowns, and and did you see that moron Skip Bayless tweeting out all these mindless <laughs> tweets? Dak Prescott again outplays Aaron <laughs> Rodgers in a losing effort. No, he didn't. Okay, <laughs> he played I mean, real well. He played a great game. This isn't about Prescott and Rodgers. This is about Dallas and Green Bay. Right, and. Yeah, it was a heavyweight slugfest, and it was 34-31. What else can you say? It's not, yeah, but. That was just a great game. Skip Bay, and, he's just and, and,
1: trolling to get somebody to watch that terrible show with him exactly. and Shannon Sharp on that terrible network. That's yeah. all that is. He doesn't believe that. Now, if he does, he's he's a real boob. Yeah. Well, and I think he's a boob anyhow, but. True. That throw, Rick. Yeah, oh. we'll, we'll start there and work backwards. The throw and catch. Across his body. Yeah, I think the catch gets lost. We want to give Aaron Rodgers all the credit for this. The the catch, and Jared Cook dropped a few, but he's dropped a few balls since he got back healthy. Now, he's scary because he's become. That, that X factor, that next option. But he, he looks out of sorts sometimes and drops. But to make that catch, on, they're, they're trying to claim that's just how they drew it up. I don't buy that. <laughs> that, was a, that was a schoolyard type of busted play. But to get sure. those feet in, hold on to that ball, all the things you have to do to get it called a catch in the NFL,
0: just amazing, just absolutely amazing. And what I really liked about that was they had – I don't think anybody would have faulted them with all – I mean, it was, what, 40 seconds ago if they have just ran the ball, ran the clock out, and, okay, let's let's yeah, go to overtime. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers into OT. No, nope, Aaron Rodgers is going <laughs> to go for the game. And coming off of that sack that anybody
1: else on the planet, anybody else on the planet fumbles the ball – Somehow he holds on to it, gets the wind knocked out of him, rolls over, calls timeout. Because that told me the timeout wasn't coming from the bench. Right. McCarthy said, all alright all right, right, let's not let's go to OT, let's shut this down before something. Because if he fumbles that ball, now Dan Bailey's the one we're talking about today because he kicks a 50-yarder to win the football game right there. Aaron Rodgers calls a timeout, makes the play, and just what a great ending. But what a great game. And, you know, Skip Bayless can shut up. But what Dak Prescott did – you know, I picked Green Bay number one, like everybody did. Aaron Rodgers is on this hot streak. I'm not picking against him, but number two, and I got, I need to shut up, Rick. You know, so I'm going to say, Rick, shut up. You know, I keep I said so many times in the regular season, and then going into this playoff game, I think this is when the rookie factor for a Dak Prescott catches up with him. No. Dak Prescott was amazing. Zeke Elliott was amazing. Look at what Des Bryant did re Des Bryant takes that team on his shoulder in the second half. Right. They played fantastic.
0: They just got beat by a guy who's on another planet right now. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. It just kind of, I mean, in minds, I was watching some biography thing a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about um, guitar players. And they had Neil Young on there. They talking about Eric Clapton. And he goes, he goes. Jimmy Hendrix was on a totally different planet than everybody right. else. That's what he's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, you know, he's doing things that nobody even pretends they he, can do. And he's got no running game. None. Yeah. He's got no defense.
1: Not, this is all Aaron Rodgers. This What are they on, an eight-game winning streak? 100% Aaron Rodgers. I've never seen anything like it. You know, the Patriots, they're on a seven- or eight-game win streak themselves. Same with the Steelers. But they're playing great defense. The Steelers are on a nine-game winning streak. That gets forgotten. The Steelers have the longest winning streak of these teams. But their turnaround's been the defense. It's been right. a whole lot of Le'Veon Bell, a whole lot of Ben Roethlisberger. But the defense in the pass rush has come around. This is 100% Aaron
0: Rodgers. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, I'm going to give you a, a little um, kind of uh, a comparison here that we're talking about. You know, you talk about – oh, we have a couple minutes. Okay, well that, that's all right. You talk about defense wins, wins championships. <laughs> Used to. Atlanta's a second-rated offense in the league. New England's fourth, Pittsburgh's seventh, Green Bay eighth. Yeah. Here's the contrast, though. Pittsburgh's seventh offense, they're 12th in defense. New England's fourth in offense, eighth in defense. Green Bay and Atlanta, in contrast, are 22nd and 25th, respectively. <laughs> I mean, so, I, there's one thing. If you're looking for a chink.
1: When we get to the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah,
0: something like that. But I I tell you what, these teams are – a blast to watch oh
1: yeah i, I can't wait for and that. and we have
0: to get to the pittsburgh Kansas city yeah. game here right after the break i mean
1: we have our steelers playing in the afc title game i'm looking more forward to that nfc game it's just going to be so much fun
0: yeah it is i think they all are i think they both are i, I think it's going to be great
1: all right well let's break right here rick get us keep ourselves on schedule when we come back we'll break down the steelers chiefs and preview the nfc title or the conference title games here exclusively on the arena sports network one of those days where it just seems like everybody's getting on your case? From your
0: all the way down to your best girlfriend? Every day, man. Welcome you know, back to the I'm Asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Snowman in the Morning is back on Friday morning. And Snowman now. breaks down to conference championships. The big college basketball matchups of the weekend. And he has a snowman's take that you wouldn't believe. Tune in at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the early Friday edition of Snowman in the Morning. You can log on to arenasportsnet.com or snowmaninthemorning.com and hear it live. Well, you better do it. Yes, indeed.
1: hear what this take is. It's not to be believed, apparently. (laughs) Or missed. And and snowman gets a little squirrely, I think. So you're going to want to check that out.
0: That's right. You better believe it. But uh welcome back to the Asylum. We have uh broken down, well not really broken down, but kind of reviewed the three playoff games and the only one we haven't talked about is Pittsburgh and Kansas City Rick, and I dare say that the Pittsburgh is probably the least favored team, oh yeah, to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're they're four out of the four. No question about it. And <laughs> Which is so surprising when you look at all these teams yeah. in the league that, you know, it gets down to that. But i tell you what, New England looks very good. Aaron Rodgers is on another planet. And Atlanta is really starting to step up. One fact uh, before we get to the Pittsburgh game, one fact to bear in mind, Matt Ryan has two playoff victories in his career. Right. Both against Seattle. Interesting. He's never won against anybody else. Never
1: beat anyone else.
0: So that just...
1: Just a little tidbit. Uh, That's interesting. So, looking at this Steelers-KC game, there's a lot here, a lot of meat on this. But, look, the game stunk, right? I mean, able to move the ball from 20 to 20 without any apparent effort whatsoever. Le'Veon Bell goes off for, what, Rick, a buck 70. Wasn't really part of the passing game. Caught two balls for negative four yards. Ben Roethlisberger... You know, by the numbers, he was bad. He couldn't throw a touchdown through that bad interception down around the goal line, 20 of 31, 224 yards. Antonio Brown, 6 for 108. But I'll argue he was shut down. About 45 of that 108 came on that last play of the half where right. for whatever reason, instead of throwing the Hail Mary, you throw that dump off to A.B., and there was no hook and lateral. There was nothing a part of it. I don't know what they thought was going to happen there. And there was no
0: blocking. Yeah, so he
1: picked up 40 of it there. So, for all intents and purposes, he was shut down. Your boy, I always think about you every time he makes a play, Rick. uh, Jesse James is a big part of this game. We have some key first downs, was. key plays downfield. By and large, the Steelers had their way between the 20s, and then KC does what KC does. My problem with the Steelers is this isn't just – a tough matchup with KC. This is systemic of the Steelers team. And Ben Roethlisberger over the last couple of years, the inability to finish drives.
0: And it, quite frankly, is inexcusable. You're down there in the red zone. I'm talking about right there in the first half there. They had second and two, like, on the seven. Right. So, I mean, you still can get a first down inside the five. Yes, Two downs in a row, we don't hand off the Le'Veon yeah, Bell. Yeah. It's totally ludicrous. You impose your will on the other team. That's, that's how you break yeah. them down. Yeah. And that's how you score. That's how you wear them out. And to play these, I don't know, cutesy plays in in, in tight coverage. And let's face it, Kansas City is known for turnovers, for for creating turnovers, correct? Oh, absolutely. Well, why are you trying to get cute? Hand it off, to Le'Veon Bell. Keep double teaming Poe and these guys in the right. front line. Boom, let them go. Yeah, and it makes no sense. And on the interception,
1: I think they had a run. This is where Roethlisberger's got to stop thinking he's Peyton Manning, or stop thinking he's Tom Brady. You got first and goal inside the one. You you read off of a run play and make that play that gets tipped at the goal at the line right. of scrimmage. It gets intercepted. No. You got first and goal inside the one, and Le'Veon Bell, what he's done all season, and especially what he's done in this game, so it's not like we have a matchup problem, four times in a row you turn around and hand the ball to Le'Veon Bell. I promise you one of those four times he's going to get the six inches you need.
0: Or just you, Or it's you let a two hundred and sixty pound quarterback sneak it. You can maybe try that too. <laughs> you know, yeah, I just mean, fall down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's six foot six. Yeah, put your head into DeCastro's rear end right. and just fall forward. There's no excuse for that. They, if look, I mean this this isn't breaking any new ground. This isn't headlines. No, but they don't finish drives against New England. They're going to get murdered. Oh, absolutely. simple as that. Yeah, it, I mean it, they just have to. Quit being fancy and just get the job done. And if there's a team out there that you better impose your will upon, it's New England. Yeah,
1: yeah, you've got to come in and you you've got to establish.
0: Another really, really good
1: performance with for that Steelers defense, especially along the edges, especially for the that linebacker core Shazier, getting the job done. James Harrison, just an absolute freak, good defensive line play. You know, really shut them down. If you put the ball in the end zone one time, so if you have one and Boswell only ties the record with five field goals, that game's never in question. You never have anything right. to worry about. So a great defensive effort. I wanted to talk about more of the ancillary stuff on, on the, on this, for this game. It is what it is, whatever. We'll cover more of the Steelers in general when we, when we get to our preview of the AFC title game. Let's start with the two-point conversion, the hold. Right. And Travis Kelsey just going nuts. I was going to pull the audio, and I thought, I don't want to give that clown any more air time. I can almost forgive it from a guy like that. All right, shut up. <laughs> That's all i got to say to Travis Kelsey. Just shut up. But this is what I'd expect from him. This is what i expect from a player. But for Andy Reid to come out and say, I reviewed the film, and that wasn't a hold. I mean, what are you talking about, no, you it, big cow? You're, that, that is the definition of a hold, Andy, the
0: definition. No, Andy, you're right. That was not a hold. That was a pro wrestling clothesline <laughs> right. takedown. And here's just a message for me. This isn't Homer talking or anything. This, if this is a Green Bay-Dallas game, this would have been a message to KC fan. Shut up. Yeah, just okay. Because Because here's the problem. Peters doesn't hold Harrison. They may not have a quarterback right now. Right. He may be, he would have been looking at his ear hole at minimum. And he may be in a cast, worst case scenario. Yeah because he was going to get killed. Oh, the, Now, the narrative in Kansas City,
1: Rick, I can tell you, I looked into this, was that Harrison wasn't going to get right. to Smith anyhow, and that's why they felt it shouldn't have been called. They probably, there was some columnist out there I read, and it, it was written, this isn't a quote, but it was probably... By the definition and letter of the law, hold probably, but the fact that the situation in the game and the fact that Harrison had no chance of getting anywhere near Smith before that ball came out that's why that flag wouldn't shouldn't be thrown. What are you talking about? Maybe, maybe Smith gets the ball off, maybe, but he would have legally been planted eight inches into the reef sodded turf. Of Arrowhead Stadium if that hold hadn't occurred.
0: Oh, I agree. And they can bloviate all they want about how he wouldn't have gotten there. But the mere fact that that Peters clotheslined lined him and was <laughs> and and had him up under the chin and the neck and the shoulder and was driving him out and to the ground. Right. Yeah, it put about 10, 12 feet between him and Alex Smith. Yeah. I just I have no
1: patience for at the end of a game like that, a team taking no accountability for, look, you came out and you drove the ball down the Steelers' throat the first possession. And then you drove it down their throats the second possession. And for the other 54 minutes of that game, you took a nap. How about take some accountability for that? How about Travis Kelsey, you shut up and look at the easy ball you dropped down inside the red zone early in the game that ultimately led to a punt. The... The... Super, the ridiculous unsportsman, unsportsman, or the unsportsman like you took or that moved they call, you from yeah. a third and 10 to a third and 25. How about you look at that? You, cla- I hate these teams and to see it coming from a coach is jarring where you do not take any accountability for your failures in a game you should have won. You shut down one of the four or five best quarterbacks in the NFL. You survived a record-setting performance by a running back. It was there for the taking. Your defense did everything you needed them to do and you didn't get the job done and this is what you want to claim yeah. this is this is how you're going to sleep
0: tonight come they should, on they should be apologizing to the defense right and to the fans instead of whining that how they were ripped off look kc fan i understand oh, fans should be going nuts. I, I i'm think, great with that yeah, yeah. me too I, I i have no problem with that travis kelsey shut up i mean that, that's ridiculous and he's going to get a mega fine there's no doubt about it They're telling a guy kick shouldn't be allowed to wear the stripes <laughs> won't be able to work a foot lock that's a good line <laughs> it's a good line if it was another play you know what i mean number 1 he wasn't involved in it right number 2 it was blatant yeah i just i don't understand yeah the i mean if it, that if it was it a, a des bryant catch from last right, year in green bay mad. then fine yeah, that's out. a good line yeah freak out
1: so here's my, what I want to ask you, and I always think of you when I when I wonder these things, because I'm completely torn. I don't know how many times I watch a football game, or college basketball seems the worst at this, and I, I watch a lot of that, where I'm sitting here and I say to myself, and I've probably tweeted out too, you know to referees that we did not I did not sit down, I did not pay all this money to watch you and i I know a thousand times it's come spewing out of my mouth, you know at the end of the game, you gotta let them play, you gotta let the players decide, but at the same time when it's something that blatant, I find myself defending it you I guess the, my, my take is this isn't the NHL, where in the NHL, in the playoffs, they swallow their whistles, and in the third periods of a playoff game, they just leave them in the locker room because they don't need them. What, what, what do you think of the notion? Because I know I've said it. I don't agree with it in this case, but I know I've said it, that you've got to let the players decide this.
0: But what you just said about the NHL is a little bit incorrect in the fact that you watched the playoffs. Blatant slash, blatant bull, uh, boarding, something like that. It's getting called. They're not going to let that let it get out of hand. They're going to let the chippy stuff go. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- yeah. You grab a jersey or you get a little handsy on a pass or something like that. They're going to let it go. But a play like that is not going to be let go, period. I think think it's that blatant, which is why I was stunned. Like I said, it doesn't
1: surprise me from Kelsey. Number one, he's a clown and a player I can almost live with. But for Andy Reid, a guy I have respect for, I really do. This guy's been a great coach in this league for a long time for him to come out and say, well, that, not only to say it shouldn't have been called, but to say, you know, that wasn't even a hold. I mean, come on, it's so blatant. That's how I can justify my feelings towards this. When I am the guy, Rick, a lot of times who yells, stop this, enough of this, let them play, let them play.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's, you, you want them to stand up for themselves, understand that, but, you know, I don't like to hear this sour grape stuff on no, something and like that. That's what it feels that. like. That's what it feels like. The Des Bryant like. catch last year always sticks out because Absurd. that was such a controversial play and it was not it wasn't a penalty, okay? It was a judgment call right. on a catch and they had all the guidelines yada yada yada. This was just a blatant hold. You're not allowed to hold. Yeah. It, okay? You're not you're not allowed to close on a guy under the throat. And take him down. Yeah. I mean, we saw a hands-to-the-face call earlier on in the game, and I can't remember who it was. It was like um, – I can't remember. if It, it was,
1: was on a crucial down, but it, I forget which defensive player, but just smashed Smith right in the
0: face mask. Yeah, exactly. Got yeah. to call yeah, it. Yeah, Shazier maybe, I think Maybe it was, it was I think it was. And you have to call that. I mean, you know, I don't care if he was jumping up to block the pass. When he comes down – now, right. I don't
1: necessarily like that rule, Rick,
0: but it's the rule. I don't mind it. In fact, that play was a great example. I don't mind it when the hands come right down in the grill, mm-hmm. you know, of the quarterback. They don't have the face mask generally that the other players do and so forth. And right right about where his eyes and, and face was and then grabbed and pulled. That's fine. Well, If There's but a bounce, grab Bouncing off the top of the head gets a little ridiculous, yeah. but hey, that's. Either way, it was called, right. and nobody said anything. Yeah, yeah. and
1: I, I, I guess I get the sentiment. Like I said, if I'm a Kansas City fan, I'm going nuts. You know what I mean? I'm good with that. Because you say, how oh, can you call? I get that. Let them play. Let them oh, play. But yeah. coming coming from a coach, I don't like that. So then let, let's get to the biggest chunk of meat on this bone, Rick. The whole post-game Antonio Brown situation. Posted I I don't even know where to go with it. I don't think we're going to have any debate on how stupid it was for Antonio Brown to do that. Mike Tomlin comes out with some real harsh words today. I I think well done. My favorite line, though, is we're going to punish Antonio, but we're not going to punish ourselves, (laughs) which means we're going to do something in the background, but he's going to play, (laughs) which I
0: enjoyed. Punish him after the season is what they're basically saying. Yeah, You know, and... And for him to do something like that, because it was actually brought up in the game, you know, they did that contract restructuring with the – hey, we're going to do something for you. His antics are getting worse as it goes. Well, did you hear Tomlin address that today? I did not hear it today, He said – this is a loose
1: quote, but he said, this is why great players in this league tend to bounce around from team to team, and I don't want that to happen to Antonio. Almost implying right. this is getting to the point where as good as you are, we're not going to be willing to put up with it. Right. That's interesting to hear from a coach before a, a t- conference title game.
0: Well, it's, it's – you know, we talked about this on the show before. If you do this celebratory jig in the end zone and cost your team 15 yards once, okay – bad on me. Yeah, lesson learned. But it's just on and on, and he doesn't care. And he didn't stop
1: until Ben Roethlisberger stepped right. in on local radio. I happened to be listening to that live. I just happened to be in the car at that time. And I remember thinking, whoa, okay, yep. wow,
0: where he said, I talked to Antonio, this has to stop. And and last, what was it, last year two years ago when Roethlisberger was hurt and he was all upset because he wasn't getting the catches and targets when uh, – Landry Jones was in there, right, and Mike Vick, I believe. Well, Vick, yeah. It took Heath Miller, right, to get in his ear and say, "Shut up," yeah. so, you know, yeah. and this yeah. is our offense now, right? Get on board,
1: right? Exactly. And so I think we could put all that aside. You know, that's all Here is what I'll say about Antonio Brown. There, there's a likability factor to him. There's a charisma to him. Heinz Ward. Well, in a way. There is, but there's a charisma that we don't put him at the level of. But make no mistake about it, folks. Antonio Brown is Terrell Owens. Antonio Brown is Chad Johnson. Antonio Brown is Odell Beckham. He is one of these me, me, me prima donna receivers. Now, what he's not is sort of is churlish and is nasty and sort of overt about the things off the field as these guys were so he kind of you know I remember thinking you know when he got the flag and he got fined for twerking in week one and then again in week two and we saw those bits and those skits coming out you know counting how many pelvic thrusts you get away with before the you know and that was funny and then it got to the ridiculous level and and he has to and Roethlisberger has to step in but now you see you got a post-game speech After a tough, hard-fought game, and Antonio Brown's paying no attention to Mike Tomlin. None whatsoever. This is about me, me, me. Antonio Brown is one of these guys. Make no mistake about it whatsoever. It's just he's got a better personality than these guys ever had. Now, to, to swing it back around, what I'm really interested in is your take on what Mike Tomlin said, which is absolutely nothing. But the media and folks in Boston are trying to blow this up as some type of bulletin board material for the Patriots because he called them a-holes and didn't think it was right that they got an extra day and a half. <laughs> I think it's a ridiculous narrative whatsoever. I always, Again, I'm always curious what you think about stuff like this.
0: I mean, this, this, is, this is a game of men, and this is the AFC championship game. If they want to use it for locker room fodder, more power to them, and, and I applaud them for that. I mean, you know, look for look for anything right. for inspiration. Uh, for the media to jump on it, I mean, look, we just came through an election year, and you know as well as I do, all somebody has to do is swat a mosquito or look cross-eyed, and they're a hater or <laughs> oh, in the yeah. news for oh, something. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, no, I, th- I think it's totally ridiculous, and yeah, there's nothing to it other than whatever New England in the locker room makes of it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
1: I mean, first of all, this is uh, just a common set in every locker room, at every turn. You know, I would ex- if I'm Bill Belichick, if I'm Tom Brady, I would expect nothing less than for the opposing team to call me a bunch of a-holes. That would be the minimum that I would expect from them. That's number one. Number two, this notion, Rick, of bulletin board material of drawing inspiration from something the other team said is just crap. These are the two best teams in the AFC. I think the two best teams in the AFC made it to the AFC championship game. These are two of the three or four best run and probably one and two in whatever order you want best run organizations in this league with professionals at key positions. And no matter what that old fool Terry Bradshaw says, two of the most tenured and most respected head coaches in this league. If you're trying to bring me the notion with everything he's done in Tom Brady in his career, that this means something to him, that this is going to do anything to change the outcome of a game is just absolutely absurd. Just completely ridiculous to me. I, I, I don't th- buy it. Who could possibly draw inspiration for that? And it doesn't
0: matter. It doesn't. Two teams are going to go out there, they're going to game plan and execute the plan. I have a tape right here of Bill Belichick. Uh, responding in the locker oh, room with okay. Tom Brady here. I'll, I'll let uh, you play it. Go ahead. Well, I'm not going to play the comment by Tom, and it just starts right after they heard it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's <laughs> what it comes to. I mean, it, when you get to this point of the season, it, it's so ridiculous that we're even discussing. Look, Antonio Brown – yeah, you know, when whenever the Steelers are eliminated or when they've raised the Lombardi trophy, whichever one ends up happening, Mike Tomlin should take him out back and beat him with a bag and a sock full of nickels as far as I'm concerned. Let James Harrison do Yeah, it. lock him, lock him in the locker room with James Harrison for 5 minutes. Yeah. yeah, we're not opening the door for 5 minutes, no questions asked. I'm good with that. Yeah. But in terms of what it means for this game and for the page, what what I hate about this bulletin board material is we hear about it a ton. This crap happens pretty much before every game. Some idiot guarantees a victory. Some idiot says this other guy's an idiot. This always happens. And we hear about it up until Friday. And if it's big enough players, we hear about it right before the game starts. And then the game happens. If the team who was offended wins, we say, look, look, you know, Briggs gave the Patriots extra motivation by saying this about them. And if the Patriots lose, we never talk about it again. Right. So, I mean, we think we have all this <laughs> evidence that this stuff works and this stuff riles up other teams. That Patriots team is such a professional organization. This is not – they. it's going to be the last thing on their minds.
0: No, yeah, exactly. People
1: locally keep bringing up – was it William Gay? Who was it years ago, Rick? Remember the Steelers had a regular season game up there in New England, and they, they had some rookie – corner who popped off. I I should have done more research on this. And Tom Brady picked on him and just chewed him up. And remember, he even pointed at him and yelled at him after one of the touchdowns. And the Patriots blew the Steelers out. And everyone says, see? As if to imply the Steelers would have won that game had this rookie not popped off (laughs) at the mouth. No, no. Tom Brady didn't pick on you because you said something stupid. Tom Brady picked on you because he identified you as the weak spot in that defense, and that's what Tom Brady does. So, irregardless, if you said Tom Brady Brady is third, second only to Jesus Christ on this planet, or you called him a child molester, it didn't matter. You stink, and he exploited that. That's what this game comes down to, and, and he, this narrative has to go away. And he just let you know yeah. that he heard what you said. Yeah. And And you can zip it, rookie.
0: Exactly. Look at me.
1: Look up in the press box. You see that supermodel? You see these four Super Bowl rings? You can shut up. How about that? And that's what Tom Brady does. So all this needs to go away. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's what I advocate is either five minutes alone in the locker room with James Harrison or a tube sock full of nickels. I don't know why that's popping in my head. but Well, give the tubes off full of nickels of James oh, Harrison. Oh, Jesus. Now you got a crime scene on you. Well, head. that's
0: true, too. All right, Rick. He let, may just eat the nickels, though.
1: All right. Enough of this what already happened, this past casting. Well, Rick Briggs. I, I've, ooh, I've I've got, go ahead. So I've got please. some
0: stuff I need to cover before we get into some other stuff. Just to let you know, while we were talking about that game, I did receive a tweet. Oh, you received or not a tweet. A, excuse me, not a tweet, a text. Oh, okay. Cletus is not going to show up tonight. Oh, well, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> Just 45 minutes yeah. into the show,
1: that was nice of him yeah. to let us know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. What are you
1: going to do about Cletus?
0: He's going. Tube
1: sock full of nickels, you yeah. think? Well, he's going to be here next week. Oh, I'm going to hold my breath for <laughs> yeah, that to happen. Yeah, I
0: know. He's going for his master's, I think, in interpretive dance. <laughs> But uh, I mean, he
1: hasn't been here since Thanksgiving. There, there was Thanksgiving leftovers on the table, I think, the and last time he showed time up that for a slant
0: in December yeah, on Sunday. hung
1: up on Jersey and then left.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah, poor Jersey. But anyway. Well, um, what do we do with him? We'll just, I don't know. Maybe James Harrison could come down here and we'll leave him down here for five minutes. There minute. we go. Lock the basement door. Of course, door. then we'll have to make a new studio. Yeah. Because then he'll use Cletus as a club we'll find another room yeah we don't yeah, want to we destroy to studio, the studio a temporarily Anyway, yeah, if we had to yeah anyway you know we love tooting our own horns we do and so forth you know because we're good at it
1: right right we'll but, call ourselves out but if you give us some praise you're never going to hear the end of it
0: well you know i don't ever take any of the asylumites lightly you know no but, there's uh, so few of them well, <laughs> that's the thing that's true you're we, all
1: special to us because yeah. you're easy to remember.
0: <laughs> That's right. They're 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 like Rick and Rick's kids. Yeah. yeah. Both but, of you, we yeah.
1: hold in very high regard. Thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to that kid? Um, Which? Oh yeah. I don't know.
1: Alex wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's Alex. better. He probably he knew more than we did when he was yeah, when he was 9, he knew better than we did. Yeah. I think he probably is hosting he's on the ESPN now, I
0: think. I think so. Yeah, he's probably with uh, <laughs> well on his way. Yeah. yeah that kid knew it. Maybe stuff. He, maybe he'll be on with old uh, Skip Bayless and shit. Yeah. yeah he skip out of there and get <laughs> an
1: intelligent voice in that conversation. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I like that. Yeah, we haven't heard from him all season. No. Alex, anyway. if
0: you're out there, shoot us a tweet. Yeah. What's the matter with you? you <laughs> well, got... Don't yell at the kid. <laughs> Why not? He can hold his own. That's He's, true. he's a good kid. Zip it, old man. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, we got a really nice email uh, last week from uh, uh, our boy Dean. Ah, Dean from Connecticut of and the slate. And uh, he was actually listening to our show last week. You know, we were talking about the New Year's Fantasy Resolutions. Oh, yeah. right? I, w- I won't read the whole thing, but I'm going to uh, – and he was going into week 17. He had an 11, 11-point 11 lead, and he was playing the guy with the most points in his league. Ah, I you remember. remember that. He had
1: Gordon He had everybody hurt. Oh, yeah. A.J. L- Green. Listen
0: to this guy. Okay, now, now remember, Dean lost Keenan Allen and Danny Woodhead early. Real early. Early right. in the year. Well, going into the championship week, in fact, he said he renamed his uh, team MASH Unit 1. He had no A.J. Green, like you said, no Melvin Gordon. No Cameron Brait or Lamar Miller.
1: That's yeah. bad news. No, yeah.
0: Thrown on top of Keenan Allen, Dan, Danny Woodhead. Now, and um, he was, where was it? Um, he drafted, I'm trying to uh, get through some of the points. Okay. Anyway, long story short, he smoked the unbeatable guy for the championship, and uh, he won by almost 100 points. Whoa in his Super Bowl. And he said he wants to thank Asylum for yet another hard-fought championship season.
1: But two out of 3 years we limped him into a title. Didn't 3 we? out of 4. I three believe out of four. he won two
0: in a row. And then he brings up a couple years ago. We'll, we'll talk about that because we can't <laughs> let never let Dean off the hook. The
1: dreaded CJ Anderson,
0: <laughs> yeah. Ronnie Hillman season <laughs> it
1: sticks in my mind. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he tried to do that to us with uh, Kobe Fleener this year until we finally shut all that yeah, noise we had down. Yeah, we had to Cut shut that him down or yeah.
0: turn the station. Yeah, <laughs> do not ask us about that meathead again. But anyway, um, he he said early. He said, you remember early on when things went south, and you guys said you were going to help me to make the playoffs. Well, he was happy to hear it, but he thought that we may have been drinking a little too early in the mornings on Sunday. Well,
1: Mainly you, but we (laughs) won't have that conversation with the microphones on that we had before the show started.
0: Can I continue with with the praise?
1: Point point being, you're an alcoholic, but go ahead. No,
0: the point being is you are (laughs) absurd, and you just wish that you could drink once in a while. Day drinking on a Tuesday is a bit of a show. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) But he cannot believe it, and the other players are in shock too. You notice that. Little by little, each week. All right, now you're not going to ruin my my speech here. All
1: right, go ahead. We'll run over this. Little one.
0: by little, each week on the Sunday morning slant, the right calls were made, and at the end of the end of the season, championship, championship, championship. championship. He goes. He goes, I hope you now can forget the C.J. Anderson year that put <laughs> that put me in fifth place. He's only been playing a few years, and he's won every year except for the C.J. Anderson year, and that's the year, and this is quoting him, that I listened to the four-letter networks and all the other A-holes when you guys were the only ones that said stay away. Dean, we scolded you long enough on C.J. Anderson. We're glad that you saw the light. (laughs) He's off the hook now. Get don't ever draft Kobe Fleener again or ask (laughs) us about it, because that's two guys.
1: yeah, yeah. We're we're good, and remember back to the C.J. Spiller days, Rick, we lost listeners and followers because of that take.
0: Yeah, I know, but tell you what, he's retired, yeah, huh. and, and- – you know, we still like our boy Ajayi. Well,
1: absolutely. That's my man, and we're going to talk about him when we get to the top 24, but when we come in, thank you so much, Dean. That you Ajayi. Group, really, we, we make light. That means a lot. We don't as, when you do a fantasy football show and an advice show and a lineup setting advice show, you don't you hear it when you're wrong. You don't get praise very often, so we don't take this lightly. We do appreciate Just it.
0: Just tweeting a couple of days ago, Mike Clay from ESPN, I think he's ESPN or CBS one of them, too, you know, that we known for quite a while that he's moved up in the profession while we're still here but anyway he was lamenting on how some guy called him out because he recommended somebody that didn't do good this week right and 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 calling him all kinds of names and everything look pal you didn't give mike clay his job because he predicted stuff for you i mean you know you go through and you make the best possible choice. It's not always right. No,
1: no. For, more often than not, for your boys, it's right. But well, we won't yeah. go down that route. All right, Rick, we are over time. Dean, thank you so much. When we come back, finally, we will predict the conference title games and maybe get into a little fantasy football. All that and more here exclusively on the Arena Sports Network.
0: Welcome back to the Asylum here on the Arena Sports Network. We are Flieger and Briggs. And I take, uh, going back to a, a favorite line of mine from uh, everyone loves Raymond, everybody loves Raymond. I take extreme umbrage to that last comment you gave me right before we came back on the air.
1: <laughs> which, um, which one was it?
0: I'm sitting here. Every
1: the- break is just a tirade of insults <laughs> both directions, so you're going to have to be more specific.
0: <laughs> I'm sitting here. Getting ready to come back online here, and um, I got a frog in my throat, and I was trying to cough. He calls me a prima donna. All right. Because I'm coughing. Okay. But it, anyway, the Arena Net Pod <laughs> Center.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Do your read. Then I'll The Arena
0: yell. Sportsnet Pod Center is now open. Log on to arenasportsnet.com slash pod center to hear the best of the best of the best of our programming, including clips from the Asylum, the Sportatorium, the King's Court, Late Night Parents, and much, much more. Arena Sportsnet Pod Center, your home for the best of the best of arena sports net programming all
1: right now let's get back to this you're not going to believe this first of all rick my headphones broke <laughs>
0: right as we go on the air that's well, because you talk about me being a prima donna, It's because your head's so swollen because you think <laughs> you're so wonderful it couldn't fit so i'm going to do this segment without headphones
1: that's fine it's not like we have anybody in the control room playing any sounds or any music or anything that's so, a shame those are nice headphones yeah they're brand new too i'm going to get my cash back on that yeah, one they just too. snap how to bring you the Steeler ones back but you can't break them Are they still at at Studio A? Yeah. Oh, yeah, bring those down. Yeah, we've got uh, all kinds
0: of stuff up there.
1: All right, so before we go, come back from any break, here's how it goes. Rick, are you ready? Yeah, I've been waiting for you for 10 minutes. (laughs) I believe that's totally incorrect. So my response is, all right, here we go invariably when the button gets pushed to either put us live or to hit record then he starts gagging (laughs) wheezing or complaining about something the moment i hit record so here we go again rick you ready well let's rewind five minutes when he yelled at me for the show going on forever in his opinion finally i get everything up and ready i get everything up and ready while he sits here still drunk from this afternoon i get everything up and ready He yells at me. I say, all right, you ready to go? Yeah. All right, here we go. (laughs) And then I'm the creep. I'm the creep for pointing it out. He's not the creep for behaving this (laughs) way. I'm the creep
0: for pointing it out. It's so false. It's just an unbelievable fantasy land that you live in. Yeah, sit there and look like you're a groundhog coming up out of the ground, looking around. We got the pit game on and he's sitting there watching them get beat yet again and and you'd swear it was the super bowl or the national championship game and they're getting hammered by nc state and they'll probably lose this game as well and you just dream up stories (laughs) just because you're mad because Pitt can't win well, I am mad about
1: that. As I'd be season- mad
0: about those headphones. Yeah, I will I will say that. It's
1: driving me nuts. It's weird to do a show without them on. I might have to I don't want to switch microphones at this point, so I'll tough it out for this for this segment, Rick, and then I can make the switch during the break. If I had a producer here, he could easily switch out of. Well, he of did
0: send a text. He's not coming. <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> He hasn't been here since November 18th or something like that, but he's not coming tonight. Well, it's good to know, yeah. and thank you for all the
1: head uh, <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. All right, Rick, let's get to it. We've only been teasing it for an hour and a half now.
0: Though. Yeah, we were trying to get Dennis Farrow on again tonight. Yeah, what but,
1: happened to that? I don't
0: know. I, I lost track of him. He said... He asked what time, you know, we were doing the show, and I told him, and he must have got busy because I never heard back yeah, from him.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get him back on. Dennis is always a good time. So, Rick, let's preview these championships game, championship games for our English-speaking listeners. We'll do them in chronological order. The NFC title game, Rick, I I can't remember a game I've looked more forward to than this one in a long time just on what these two teams are doing offensively, playing inside in the Dome, if I'm not mistaken, right, Rick? Yeah. So they're going to be a fast track as Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not even going to say the Packers, as Aaron Rodgers heads to the Dirty South to
0: take on the Atlanta Falcons. Why don't you go first and tell us who you think it's going to be, the Cardinals or the Bengals? (laughs) I might have missed on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got to just go. Look, back in August, I I predicted Green Bay-Pittsburgh to the Super Bowl. I'm going Green Bay, going to Atlanta and winning in probably a barn burner like we saw in Dallas. And I don't see any way around it. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to continue his magic, and they're going to have to score at least 34 points, I right. think, like they did last week to win this game. But I'm, go- I'm going Green Bay by a field goal. Yeah, I, th- this one's so tough. I
1: jotted down sort of questions. These are the questions that went through my mind in trying to predict this game. Number one, Rick, can the Packers' secondary, as banged up as they are, and th- th- this is big to me, as banged up as that secondary is for the Packers, can they even slow down this Falcons offense? i don't think they can rick i don't see any way in which they're not going to have to score 37 to win this game and with no running game and we don't know about jordy nelson and he he was actually the next question is jordy nelson going to play we're not going to know that probably right up until noon on sunday before we're going to know for sure. And even if he does play, is he going to be able to take a hit? It sounds like he's got a severe, severe rib injury he's dealing with, which yeah, just top affects, I mean, yeah, affects his ability, even if he's, you know, I assume he's tough enough to take these hits, but it affects his ability to, to play over his head, if, if that makes sense, even reaching up, we've, we've all had rib injuries and just how miserable that is. It's, it's great as Aaron Rodgers is playing. You know, it's just going to be a game of keep up is, is the first thing. I'm thinking. You know, was the play of Atlanta's defense last week, Rick, was that just – have they made a huge improvement as the years gone on and playing way above their numbers? Or was it just a bad Seattle offense who's even worse on the road? I, I tend to
0: lean that way, that I still don't think they're much of a defensive squad. No, they're 28th against the pass, which is one answer to your question uh, in my mind. Are they going to be able to slow down Aaron Rodgers? I don't think so. And they're also, you know, by the way, they give up over 100 yards rushing as well, even though they don't have a great running game. You you still got Ty Montgomery. You can throw Christy Mike winner, although he's never getting any carries. Right. with bungling around, <laughs> dropping uh, kicks and then trying well. to run them out and so forth. <laughs> but no, I mean, their defense is not that good. Look, they, we talked about Seattle early on in the show. They're just not hitting the cylinders, and for them to shut them down, they scored twenty points on Atlanta, and that's a mediocre offense at best. Oh, right, right now, well, yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a whole different planet. Now, I'll bring—I'll bring up one more question to you, which was a—which was a fact that I gave you that little tidbit earlier on. He's got two playoff wins in his career. Right, both of them against Seattle. He hasn't beaten anybody else. No. What kind of games is Matt Ryan going to have? Is it going to be just, uh you know, it's going to be Green Bay trying to play catch-up? Or is it going to be Matt Ryan, all of a sudden, some pressure put on him to try to keep up to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. And then does Matty Ice tend to melt a little bit? That's the question in my mind. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So here's what this one came down to for me, Rick. Right? <clears throat>
1: from, from all these questions, it came down to one. There is little doubt in my mind, except for at the quarterback position, the Atlanta Falcons are a better football team, at least right now. Yep. They have two amazing running backs. Green Bay has no running backs. They have a wide receiver running the ball. As bad as both defenses are, the Atlanta defense is better. At least they're faster. I'll say that. Maybe Green Bay's offensive line's better, but not much. You don't see Matt Ryan getting knocked around either. The Atlanta Falcons are at home, and say for the – granted, the most important position are, Rick, I'm going to say a significantly better football team than the Green Bay Packers. So the question becomes, is this thing just meant to be for Aaron Rodgers? Has he just put himself in this upper stratosphere that no one's ever seen? And can he, for a ninth time in a row – put this entire franchise on his back, on the road, and win a playoff game. I'm going to sound foolish here because it's going to go against everything I've said for the last several weeks, but I'm going to say it ends here, Rick. And It doesn't crash and burn. It doesn't. I just think there reaches a point when you meet your match offensively. They almost had it last week against Dallas, who was their match offensively. Obviously, it came down to a field goal. I think... Just the magnitude of this game, the way Matt Ryan has played this year—who, for my money, because the playoffs don't count—is the MVP of the National Football. And I know that's not a popular opinion. Everybody's got to be Brady or or Rodgers, and I'm not going to argue that. Why? I'm not you know, going to argue know what I'm saying. I'm I, not going to argue. All you. three are worthy, but if I mm-hmm. had a vote—and I clearly don't—if I had a vote, my vote would go to Matt Ryan for what he's done. I think in a shootout, just like this game ended in the same stadium in the regular season, really it's going to come down to who has the ball last, right, Rick? I think so. I think Matt Ryan against that defense is a field goal better than Aaron Rodgers against the Atlanta defense. I'm going to take the Falcons here 37-34. It would in no way surprise me if I'm wrong on this. I just have to think, when I look at the other issues that the Falcons can present offensively in terms of of a running game, in terms of what those running backs can do in the passing game, all the things Atlanta can do and as bad as their defense is, they have some speed and maybe they can make a play. I just you wonder, I don't think it's a crash and burn for Aaron Rodgers. I just don't know that one guy, on a re- the best hot streak in, in my lifetime. There's probably been better hot streaks in the NFL history. I don't want to be that guy who says whatever's happening now is the most amazing thing in history. But this is in the top ten, I'm willing to say. I just don't think you can ride that the whole way to a Super Bowl championship because, remember, they've been playing in playoff games since about week nine. And you just think you're going to meet your match eventually. And I think this Atlanta team offensively is their match.
0: Everything you say, I agree. I mean, offensively, they are their match. Defensively, they both stink. So, yeah, I mean, it it just points to a shootout. Last team with the ball wins. I'm I'm just going with my original gut from way back in August. I'm going same score, only Green
1: Bay. Yeah, and and I think you have to. If I'd pick Green Bay and not. Yeah, Arizona. I would take Green Bay here. It's it's probably going to be
0: a dud, Rick. Blow out one way or the probably other. Probably nine four or it could be that. <laughs> no, it, I, the, I, I, I don't think it could be. You know, for all of uh, the woes that the um, uh, the the Falcons secondary had against the pass. You know the Packers are thirtieth in a league against right. passed, and they're, they, they they're keep, bad, and they
1: keep losing people. The bad players they have in the secondary, they're losing at an alarming rate. You just, you may be getting a call pretty soon, yeah. And you just wonder if that ends up being the difference. All right, so we're going to disagree there. I got a chance to get back me. even, yeah. I got a chance to get back even with you. All right, Rick, here we go. This one's big for us, us Yinzers. Homer time, Rick, is our, I'll say it now, our Pittsburgh Steelers go to Foxborough to get their brains bashed in by the
0: Golden Boy and Tom Brady. And, of course, because I picked Pittsburgh Green Bay in August, You're I'm do going it? out of the lid. I'm taking Pittsburgh. I Some some way, by hook or by crook, and I think it's going to be more defensively maybe causing a little bit, maybe even hurting Tom Brady. Maybe James Harrison doesn't get held and gets to him. I, I don't know, but... I'm going Pittsburgh in this one just because, what, (laughs) four or five months ago, I picked them and I'm sticking with it until the bitter end now. <laughs> well,
1: so. I'm, I'm good with that. But I, I as someone who picked the Cincinnati Bengals, am able to look at this with a little more objectivity. Right <laughs>
0: exactly. <now. laughs> so everybody out there says, ah, oh, Briggs took Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Well, yeah, but I picked them five or six months ago, so I'm sticking <laughs> yeah. with it, by yeah. God. And you have to, and I yeah. would
1: mock you if you didn't, if you backed off. That.
0: Yeah, I, and I'm going Pittsburgh. I'm going to go, It's it's going to be, you know, it's going to have to be... Thirty-one, thirty. If Pittsburgh's going to win, they're going to have to put like up that, thirty. Yeah, yeah,
1: no question about it. All right, so I, I looked at this one at the same way in, in terms of questions. Some of these we can't answer. Well, I think it's very important, Rick. Does Ladarius La- La- Green clear that concussion? Concussion. Let's try that whole sentence yeah, that, that again. That head thing. Yeah. Does I might have the concussion? Does Ladarius Green clear this concussion protocol and play in this game? If he does, he could be that X-factor, that game-changer that Gronk is for the Patriots and him being out. So I I think that's a big factor. Again, we're not going to know this right till the end of the week, I presume. I haven't even heard that he's back on the practice field as of now. If I had to wager, I'd say he's not going to. But he could be a huge X-factor, one more weapon for, for the Steelers. Is Martellus Bennett healthy? Or And or does it matter, Rick? You know, he was on and off the field. He's really, from a numbers perspective, been ineffective. I, I don't know. I guess we expected he was going to step in and put up Gronk's numbers when Gronk was out. It never happened. Something's wrong with him. He can't stay on the field. He's limited. He's banged up. So, you know, is he healthy? I don't know. The bigger question is, does it even matter? You know, I wonder what your thought is on that. Does it even matter if you have a healthy Martellus Bennett if you're the New England Patriots?
0: No, I really think a lot of it is, you know, people are talking, you know, it's Big Ben against Brady and so forth. You know, it it could get right down to Le'Veon Bell and LeGarrette Blount (laughs) or, you know, or whatever combination running back New England wants to throw at them, Um, you know, Lewis or whoever it is. but. You know, I, I think it could be Le'Veon Bell against New England run game yeah, because they both can air it out. Uh, both defenses seem to stiffen up at times when they need it. And I think the run game in critical downs, especially down in the red zone, could really play a real factor in this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I,
0: that's huge. And you look at the red zone problems that the Steelers have. They have got to finish drives. They have got to go to Le'Veon Bell – time and time again i mean i'm not saying you have to run off tackle every single play but you get him the football he's the best player on the field on either side of the whatever team you're playing he's a he could be the best player in the league right now period
1: so the biggest question here rick and i think this this ends up deciding the game there's two factors that decide this game we all know bill belichick how he wins games, how he wins championships, is he identifies your best aspect and he takes it away from you, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Can he do that with Le'Veon Bell? Can he, anyone, even the genius, the mad scientist that is Bill Belichick, can you take away Le'Veon Bell? I think you can limit him.
0: Well, here's the thing there, Rick. I'll Okay, say yes, but I will – that, that's the thing with Pittsburgh. New England is, is the same way with Brady and so forth. You commit resources to stop somebody. There's enough talent on right, that Pittsburgh right. offense where it shouldn't stop the offense. Conversely, if you stop the run game in New England, Tom Brady, blah, blah, we all know that. I mean, they're explosive offenses. They're seventh, fourth and seventh in the league. So we, so we know they can score points. And if if you concentrate on stopping one player... Somebody's got to be open, right, right? Right. So I mean, it, it's... thought being,
1: if you load up on the run, Antonio Brown for all his nonsense this week is going to kill you. But here's where my concern comes in, and it, it becomes about Ben Roethlisberger. And we saw it even in the game last week in a game they won. You win a tough road playoff game. It's really hard to criticize a lot of things. But if I'm going to criticize something, Rick, it's going to be this. Will Ben Roethlisberger – because he's making a lot of these play calls and he's calling everything at the line of scrimmage at this point. Will Ben Roethlisberger have the patience to stick with the run game and control this clock when early on they are limiting – I don't think you're going to shut him down, but they're limiting Le'Veon Bell. Here's my concern. You go in with the game plan, it's going to take 35 carries, but we're going to get 100, 100 and a quarter out of Le'Veon Bell. If it's not going well, is Ben Roethlisberger going to say, all right, hop on my back. It's time for the Ben Roethlisberger show. And look, Rick, we remember Ben Roethlisberger for that drive in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals, right, the catch to San Antonio Holmes and everything he did in that game. And he's known for making fourth-quarter comebacks. And his record, Rick, is 13-6 and six in the playoffs. That's pretty hard to argue with. But, but I want you to listen to these numbers, Rick. 62% completion playoff career. It's pretty good. And It's not outstanding. That's pretty good, right? All right. 24 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. All right. He does not dominate mm-hmm. games in the playoffs. He does not take them over. He is a cog. When you look at their championship teams, they ran the ball. They play good defense. He's just an additional piece. He is not the guy. I think they need to find a way to avoid Ben Roethlisberger From trying to take this over, from trying to keep up with Tom Brady, from trying to solidify his legacy by keeping Tom Brady from going to his seventh Super Bowl by going to Ben Roethlisberger's fourth. I don't think, Rick, you're able to control that. And quite honestly, I'm a fan of the kid. I think Ben Roethlisberger and his ego ultimately cost him this game. I think the Steelers' defense are going to be able to get enough pressure on Tom Brady that they don't go out and score 35 or 40. I've got the Patriots here, Rick, 27-19 based on the ability to at least slow down Le'Veon Bell early enough in the game that Ben Roethlisberger panics and starts making the second-half mistakes that have doomed him every time he's played the Patriots in his career?
0: I'm looking for two things. Well, basically I'm looking for one thing from, from both teams. I'm looking for both offenses to be a lot sharper than they were last week you would think so. I mean, would I would, hope so. Both these teams are coming off let's let's face it, New England doubled up Houston. But that wasn't an easy win. No, it was a struggle. I mean, that was, was a struggle, struggle till, you know, well into the second half. Well, let's I mean, not forget one of those touchdowns New England had was on special teams. Exactly. You're you're absolutely right. Um so I am looking for the offenses to be a lot sharper. And the in the thing that gets me, you could be right about the ego thing. But if I've got a back, thirty rushes, a hundred and seventy yards. That is on the closer side of six yards a carry, right? And then five. You don't need to throw the team on your shoulder. I understand, but I fear he will anyhow.
1: We saw it at the goal line, first and goal inside the I one. I don't know if he checks was... out of it and throws a pick.
0: It's you know, I mean, again. I mean I I don't want to to beat any dead horse but that's where it starts to come from the coaching staff. Look, we're going to pound the ball. Right. We this is what we want to do. We want to impose our will at the 2-yard line. We don't need a, a bubble screen or we don't need, you know, anything switching off. Some, you know, it it's got to be firm. And you've got to stick to this game plan and make it work. That tip pass was was ludicrous. That that could have been the game right, right. there. If they handle Avion Bell four times, they one of score. those times he gets in. If they
1: get in the end zone one time, we're not talking about that holding call at the end of regulation no. because it wouldn't have mattered. That game wasn't even in doubt with one touchdown.
0: Exactly. That I'm just
1: afraid we're going to see that, and historically, just bad things have happened to Ben Roethlisberger. I think he tries to overplay, which I think is a natural reaction. You know, you're a guy making you putting together your Hall of Fame resume. Facing the best, it's ever done it, or at least a guy who's in the conversation amongst the three or four best who have ever done it in his building for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I think you tend to press. I think you tend to put more on your shoulders than need be. And I'm just here's what I here's what I believe is going to happen with that running game. The New England Patriots will not be able to shut Le'Veon Bell down. They won't be able to. But I think early on they'll be able to limit him. We're looking at, Rick, four and five yards a carry, not seven, eight, nine that you see for stretches with Le'Veon Bell. I just don't see a Bill Belichick team allowing that to happen. Will Ben Roethlisberger have the patience to ride it out, to grind it out, and find a way to win this thing at the end? I'm, I'm just not, I'm not convinced of it. So, like I said, I think it's a little lower scoring. I think it's a little more defensive, and I'm going to – I hate it, Rick. There's, if there's one team as a Steeler fan, I can't bear to see him lose to even more than the Baltimore Ravens. It's these New England Patriots. But I see the Patriots winning this thing 27-19.
0: All right. Time will tell. It hurts me, Rick. I'm sticking to my guns, buddy.
1: I want to do my top 24 fantasy, Rick, but I I think that that takes a whole segment. So we'll save that for the last segment. Just a few other sports headlines, things around the league and around sports before we wrap up this segment. We'll get to that in the final one, Rick. Curious, again, I, I was wondering what Rick Briggs thinks of this move by the San Diego Chargers to L.A.
0: I know what the moving companies in San Diego think. <laughs> <laughs> They're not assisting in any way, shape, or form. That's a good bit. That's you funny. Know. I like yeah, that. I like that too. I, quite frankly, I hate it. I, to me, I mean, I tweeted out when it first was announced. You know that it's official. Blah blah. I mean, nothing to me sounds worse than the Los Angeles Chargers it's or ridiculous. the Ch- Carson Chargers or whatever <laughs> they were talking about. I mean, it just it's gross, and I will be stunned if LA keeps both these teams for 5 years. I don't
1: I understand the media market aspect of this. But they were the number 2 media market in this country when LA when the, I'm sorry when LA yes. when the Rams and the Raiders left. Right. There's more. They don't care, Rick. If you don't have a winner, they don't care. See, see, here's what apparently Goodell and the own, the billionaires can't understand. In Pittsburgh, which we haven't had that issue for the most part, but in Buffalo, in Cleveland, they're still going to show up. They're still going to root hard for this team. You know why? Because there ain't nothing else better to do. These are terrible places to live, Rick. We we live in an awful part of the country. In L.A., if you stink, there's a lot better things to do. There's a whole lot more going on. And number two, they like their college football a lot more. That's a college football area a lot more than they like the NFL. Even
0: even getting rid of college sports, which you're absolutely correct on. But L.A., it's a basketball town. It's a baseball town. Right. St. Louis is is they're a baseball city they're a baseball city you know chicago uh, even Chicago's a hockey city you know And a baseball detroit's hockey town right i mean you know they're not yeah the lines they're not going anywhere like you said i mean it's cold and everything i mean it it stinks it's awful yeah you're gonna watch but if you go around all the cities in in say in the nfl pittsburgh it's a football and a hockey town. Right. I mean, it's the success the Pirates have had of late—they've had—and and on a nice summer day, it's great to go yeah, to a baseball right. game. But we don't care.
1: But nobody—we wouldn't have put up with this losing for forty years. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: don't care. <laughs> exactly. Lose three three years in a row in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. Then well, now we're then, heads on pikes. <laughs> you then, know what that's, I mean? That's the point. I mean, if if you saw the Dodgers go. Sixty and hundred and two, four years in a row. Heads on pikes. How much longer do you think the Lakers are going to keep doing this? They won't put I up know, with it. For I long. know they're rebuilding, right? But you know, unfortunately for them, they have the Clippers at least to take a little bit of Yeah, uh, somebody
1: to finish third in the West and make them feel all right.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. But they're not. It's not a football town. No. It just isn't.
1: And what I can't grasp is, so ultimately they don't care. There's one professional football team that they do care about in that area. It's the Raiders, and they're moving to Las Vegas. So why? I I understand why the owner does it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. And I understand why San Diego and the citizens of California say, no, you can zip it. We're we're paying, what do they pay, 40% taxes or some ridiculous number out there? We are not building a football stadium. Do you know why? They don't care. When the Pittsburgh Steelers needed a new stadium, how many votes did that take? All right. One, it was done, and it, it didn't even go to public vote because they knew they didn't need to ask the public. You just had to, What you had to do was convince enough people out in Philadelphia to agree for state money to go to. That was all you needed. They didn't even ask the people because they knew the answer was yes, we're going to do it. Right. In L.A., and California, it's a different world. It's not going to happen. So I get all that. What I don't understand is the NFL's insistence that, that we need even one, let alone two football teams. They will fail, and they will fail miserably. Look, if one of them becomes a winner in the next four or five years that'll be the hottest team that's all anybody will talk about you start out four and six they're done you're, you're finished that, that palace they're building there's going to be half empty from then on We're simple half as that.
0: full it depends on how you look at well, it. Well, you know, Rick.
1: I look at it as half yeah, empty. So. You and
0: me, too, pal. All right, and, Rick. And anybody counting money looks at it that way, yeah, too. Well,
1: that's true. That's what you do. All right, Rick. Well, let's break here. we got to get caught up from last break. When we come back, my my way too early, first two rounds, top 24 fantasy football rankings here exclusively on the Arena Sports Network.
0: Welcome back to The Asylum here, our final segment of the show right here in the Arena Sports Network. We are Flieger and Briggs, and Rick, you said that you had a way too early, oh, way too early to top decide. 24, basically rounds one and two in a, in a 12-team fantasy football league. Yeah. That- it ought to be quite interesting. I'm, um, I have not even done that yet myself. So. Nor should you, quite honestly. No, because I mean, it's, we're this, not even done with this year Yeah, yet. this
1: year's not over yet, but we're, we're going to go ahead and take a look at that. So, let's start it out. There probably won't be great debate at the top. I think that we get more into it as the list goes on. Well, I actually gave some pause, Rick, between Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson at the top because, Again, because it's too early, we don't yet know what Le'Veon Bell's suspension is going to be at the beginning of this season, but assuming we either don't have one or it's only two or three games, which I think it's going to be 10 next time, so we'll we'll worry about that when it comes. i got Le'Veon Bell at one, i got David Johnson at two, I don't think anybody's going to throw up any roadblocks over that. Number three was the first time I really had to do some thinking come down to Zeke Elliott and Antonio Brown for me. I actually took A.B. here. I'd I'd like to see Ezekiel Elliott. I'm thinking from a PPR mindset because that's where we tend to live. Uh, Zeke Elliott, my only concern with him, I would like to see him catch more passes if if I'm going to rank him as a top three guy. Now, again, I have him at four with Antonio Brown ahead of him at three. I still have Antonio Brown as that top wide receiver out of this crop.
0: Yeah, and he should be. I I'll be honest with you. I think if I'm in the 3 slot, I think I'm taking Zeke.
1: I'd think about it because of my resolution <laughs> to get on the right. get on the running back train. But Antonio Brown hanging out, Antonio Brown hanging out there, that's a spicy meatball. I'll take Zeke Elliott at 4. And I got to be honest with you, Rick. After that, after those top 4, this got kind of difficult for me. Not necessarily the players, but where to slot them. At number 5, even dealing with the injury deal he did with did this year I think the offseason does him good and when Julio Jones is on it's Julio Jones for me baby I'll take him right there at number five number six I struggled with this one i would admit readily I struggled with this one right off the bat just his antics you wonder if he's going the wrong direction he disappeared to, at, a few times throughout the year but the skill set and the ability of Odell Beckham Jr. I still think he belongs in the top half of that first round
0: Yeah, you're right, and there's a couple of guys that I'm really looking hard at, and and of course, you know, we'll be making a lot more determinations as time goes on, but I'll tell you what, I mean, you know, you look at the year that he just had, still having, Jordy Nelson, he's right back up there, is an elite receiver right now, 97 catches this year, almost 1,300 yards, Yeah, 14 touchdowns, I mean, that's all he does is score touchdowns, and... I'll tell you another guy, talking wide receivers here, that really has vaulted after this year, Mike Evans. I mean, he has zipped up to 96 catches. Right. Where that was all my only knock on him before was, you know, he was catching 60, 70 balls. Hmm. Now, all of a sudden, he's up close to 100 Um, you know he's a 1300 yard guy yeah oh no
1: question about it so we'll get to him very soon enough Rick so at number seven this would be the first one I don't know if this is going to raise eyebrows or not but for me at number seven Rick I'm buying in I know it was a short short sample size Ajayi Uh, Jay Ajayi Rick he's the fourth best running back (laughs) for me right now two was it three 200 yard games if if they allow him to take over games like they did for stretches last year. And, and he reminds me, I like him. He's kind of one of those throwback guys, Rick, where it takes a while to build up. He doesn't come out averaging 12 yards a carry like a Zeke Elliott did in some of his big games. It was two, it was six, it was 11, it was – a loss. It was three, 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 eleven. And then come the second half when he's in between the twenty, twenty-five, and thirty carrier range. Now all of a sudden he's ripping off the big ones, and you look up at the end of the day, this cat's got two hundred yards. He's been in the end zone. As much as we've made fun of him over the years, Rick, I think next Ajayi. year 2017 is the year of Ajayi.
0: Yeah, and it's very possible. I mean, I really like the kid. He's young and and he's he's big. <sighs> You know, I I tend maybe to hold on to guys a little too long. Um, I see Demarco Murray's role degrading some next I t- year. I want
1: to talk about him when we get to him.
0: And the the guy that sticks out with out to me right now. I just wanted to get your thoughts on just a phenomenal year. I mean, sixteen hundred and some total yards, fourteen total touchdowns. Shady McCoy. I got him at nine. So. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean,
1: I got certainly not
0: nitpicking here because it's so early. I'm just trying to get a, you know, kind of litmus test on some of these running backs because we basically have the same uh, resolutions going into 2017. Yeah,
1: so uh, Ajayi, I gave a slight nod to over McCoy just because LaShawn McCoy, for me, has entered that. Brian Westbrook territory, where he's always nicked up. He's questionable every week. You don't know, do I play him? Is he going to play? Is he going to get his carries? And then he he scores 40 (laughs) fantasy points for (laughs) you, and you started Mike Gillisley or or some junk (laughs) like that. So in between them at eight, I had Mike Evans. You brought him up. Here's my only concern with Mike Evans, and maybe why I didn't even bump him up ahead of an Odell Beckham Jr. is I have to believe – at least I think, I hope, I don't know. Keep your face in front of the microphone, well, There's Richard. There's excitement here. It's over, over with. My, well, yeah, but over my left shoulder. <laughs> Anyhow, so I think a lot of this huge jump in numbers. Now, I don't know, they might even be less than last season. Yeah, he's been a huge target guy the last two seasons. But Vincent Jackson has entered your territory almost stratosphere in terms of age and i think finally this year
0: well at least in playing time
1: yeah it completely (laughs) caught up with them they don't have another receiver they have cameron brait they have their run game and they have mike evans and that's all they have rick i gotta believe they bring somebody else in if you bring in another reasonable wide receiver talent how much does it cut into mike evans workload because mike evans is a volume guy right he's not going to catch Nine catches on 10 targets for the 180 yards. It's, you know, 11 catches on 142 targets, it feels like uh, a lot of times. So you just wonder how much. and Now, he.
0: Well, how many complimentary receivers did Andre Johnson ever have? No, he never had. Or them. Calvin Johnson ever have? None. Zero. Exactly. So maybe I don't, they don't bring him
1: one in. I don't well, know. Well, I
0: just don't know if there's anybody that's going to be taking. That much away from it, we saw what Shepard took away from Beckham. Right, nothing. That's true. You know, and yeah, Beckham took away from Beckham if anybody. Yeah, did. And, and who took away from AJ Green? Nobody. Right. You know, I mean, these guys who takes away from AB, nobody. Right. Right. And, and there's a lot of talent in that Steeler offense. Yeah, they
1: just when Martavis Bryant would have big games last year. Obviously, none this year as he's <laughs> in rehab. But it's just they both had 100-yard right. games, and maybe that's the case with the Mike Evans. So, But I have him up at eight. This is a guy usually mid to late second round you could have him for. I think them days is over, my friend. I have, I, I, as we said, LaShawn McCoy at nine. Jordy Nelson, as I look at it, I'm already wondering, do I have him too low? I got him in at ten. But I, I think he vaults into the first round someplace he's never been in, in fantasy for whatever reason. All he does is catch 80 to 100 balls every single year, and he's a late second, early third-round guy. This year I got him up at 10, and sliding into my first round, Rick, boy, we would have gotten mocked last year. I'll tell you what, if I'm picking at the end of the draft, Melvin Gordon sitting around at number 11, buddy, the way he gets in the end zone, I am hopping all over that and riding that the whole way home.
0: Here's a little scenario. Tell me what you think of it. I'm just going through down some through these uh, running backs. I mean um say you're sitting at like eleven and say it kind of went chalk way you said. All right. Okay. Okay, so you've you've already committed. You're gonna take okay, say you're at twelve, okay, and All say right. Melvin Gordon went at eleven. Melvin Gordon went, okay. All right. I, I'm not asking you for your twelve and thirteen, but I'm just I'm just gonna with the with the um with the resolutions for two thousand seventeen that we just um came up with and I can't get your attention because you're watching Pitt lose again, I'm listening. Okay? They just
1: missed a three to tie at the buzzer. He
0: bricked it. He didn't hit nothing. <laughs> Jeez, I could have thrown that up. Good Lord. Anyway, okay, it goes chalk through Mel- Melvin Gordon to number 11. What do you think of, say, like, in PPR format especially, Devontae Freeman at 12 and Jordan Howard at 13? I wonder if 13's too hard,
1: too high for Jordan Howard. I, I don't mind Freeman down there. I like getting those two guys, especially
0: in a PPR. Ninth highest scoring running
1: I, back in the league. I get it, Rick, and it's funny you bring him up. I, I was definitely going to probably and he spend, wasn't even the starter. I was probably going to spend the most time at him when I got to or him. Legarrette Blunt. You know, there's another one. You
0: <laughs> know. Yeah, you know, or Latavius Murray, however you have. I'm just saying. I that have DeMarco Murray. Yeah, my my bad. I let him go. I'm sorry. Right there. I mean, there is a resolution. Yeah. And that's not a bad strategy. Get them back to back and in the late third,
1: early fourth, you're probably looking at guys at the receiver position. What, the likes of uh, Amari Cooper, maybe does he fall that far? Maybe not. Kelvin Benjamin could well, conceivably fall down tree, there. I mean, Brandon yeah. Cook, somebody. There'll be guys down there. Sure is the point. there will. So I think that'd be a good place to load up. I really would. But let's go ahead and talk about Jordan Howard right now, Rick, since you brought him up. He is a guy, when I put this together, you know, I didn't do this, but sort of the way my mind was working was, you know, like the draft boards you see in the war room, right, <laughs> at the NFL draft. And I got Jordan Howard, and I have him up in the – parlance of Melvin Gordon and DeMarco. I got him in this area and I could never bring myself to slot him and I kept bumping him and I kept bumping him and I kept bumping him. And eventually he landed at 18 for me, Rick, really? which feels low. But I just have such a small sample size on Jordan Howard. And he was great, Rick. He was great in the second half of that season. He he really was. And when things just com- the wheels just completely fell off for the Chicago Bears, Jordan Howard consistently put up big numbers in games. They were just getting a mud hole stomped in them. It's just, I don't know that it's enough sample size, Rick, that I was willing to invest a late first or early second round draft pick on him. He he feels like, uh, I'm trying
0: to, you know, I'm he fe- feels like Allen Robinson to me, quite frankly. If you had all in on Allen Robinson and got burned. Exactly. Okay, however, think about this past year. Both of us were guilty of it. Who didn't we go in on? Ah, oh, they're not going to give the rookie a full workload. <laughs> yeah, we might have saw Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott a little bit. We I mean, might have
1: had entire episodes dedicated to how he was going to fail. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and delete those. <laughs> but,
0: yeah. but I'm I'm looking in 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 a PPR format um, from week eight. Well, let, let's do his whole. When did he start? Okay, week three I think is when he started really coming into it. He had one single-digit game from week three to the end of the season. That's pretty solid. Oh, there's just no question about it. And that was a 26-10 drubbing they got at Green Bay. Every other game, I mean, his lowest total was um, 99 total yards against the Giants in week 11. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Let's say if you trusted those numbers
1: 100%, Rick, he leaps up ahead of Melvin Gordon to me. Now you're talking a late first-round guy. It's just – I guess that's the question, and I think you've answered it. I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out. Do you trust him that much? Let's say this twelve thirteen turn. Is that somewhere you trust
0: a Jordan Howard at this point? Right now, yeah. I mean, when you're bringing up some of these other guys that we're talking about – um one thing I like about it, and we talk about a lot, the volume player. Right. I mean, it's obvious they like to run the ball. Does he stay that guy? If you get Jeremy Langford
1: back, hell, I know, I know, I'm a Langford guy. If you get Langford back, hell, he's not going to take his job from Jordan Howard. How much of a role does Langford play in this? Does it, does it decrease the volume-type situation we're talking about with Jordan Howard?
0: When Langford couldn't get on the field to the very end of the year – I know I, I'm I'm starting to really think that Howard just may be the real deal in Chicago.
1: Let, I'll tell you what. It, let's play the game of guys I have ahead of him. Okay, at, at the running back position. So working backwards, Jordan Howard, Devontae Freeman. Freeman. In fact, actually, I said Freeman first and then Howard. So Jordan Howard, Demarco Murray. Turns out I only had two others ahead of him. I went on a running back run. I think in the I'm round. I think
0: I'm going Howard. I'm seeing. You worry Um, about Derrick Henry cutting into that workload? Yes, I I am. Because what I I saw from Henry at the end of the year. That that gave me pause. And he
1: was looking good. That gave me pause when I saw – so, at 12, I had A.J. Green. I don't think we need to discuss that. No. I think that's a perfect spot for him. And then I put Murray at 13, but I seriously contemplated Howard as we talked about the struggle I had with him, and I seriously contemplated Freeman over him, and I was worried about Derrick Henry and what he did do at the end of the year. and what Remember what I expected from Derrick Henry going into this season, and then – he just performed so well, DeMarco Murray, at the beginning of the year that you couldn't justify if you're the Tennessee Titans taking him off the field. You wonder what another offseason will do. You know, you have both of these fabulous weapons. You're going to use them both. How much does that
0: diminish DeMarco Murray's value? Well, and that's always a, uh, that's always a point of contention because, as we see with Atlanta, which is a mega-potent offense, Plenty of points, plenty of workload for Freeman and Coleman. I don't know if you have that with Tennessee right now. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I I don't know. I mean, I think that they're an up and coming uh, offense. You know, of course, we said that about Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's I'll a whole t- other conversation. But I tell you what, I you know, I think that there's probably more doubt in volume with Demarco Murray. Than there is Jordan Howard. I mean, Jordan Howard still had more rushing yards than DeMarco Murray. Hard to believe.
1: Yeah. But he did. That's crazy.
0: So, yeah, I'm taking Howard over Murray, I okay. do believe. All right. So so let's go through. I did have Murray
1: at 13. At 14, I had T- T.Y. Hilton, Rick. This guy's always a hot button. I drafted him what in the third round of our Man League this year and got mocked for it at that time. Or did I take him in the second and Marshall in the third? I can't remember. No,
0: it was uh, Marshall and then Hilton.
1: Yeah, so Hilton's been a hot button. Hilton Button put up some numbers, man. He he got it done, and these other guys, Philip Dorset, Dante Moncrief, they didn't put up the. The ridiculous numbers we expected. This was about T.Y. Hilton. This was about Frank Gore, which is surprising. And this was about the tight end position. Whoever was healthy happened to be healthy that week. But this is T.Y. Hilton is Far and above the number one weapon, and what on is a bad team is still a pretty good offense there in Indianapolis. Yeah,
0: you better believe it. It's going to be a lot
1: better next year. Yeah, I would think so. If they do anything with that offensive line, give Andrew Luck any time to throw the football, T.Y. Hilton could put himself in the Antonio Brown, Julio Jones stratosphere in terms of numbers. So then after that, I went Des Bryant I tell you what, I was cold on Des Bryant. He was un- struggled with his health all year. Didn't seem to have the rapport with Dak Prescott that he had with Tony Romo. But towards the end of the year when he got healthy and as Dak Prescott progressed in his rookie season, you saw what Des Bryant did and what he did in that playoff game. I have to think if you get him 100% healthy, he reestablishes himself as one of the top receivers in this league.
0: I agree 100%. There's no doubt about it. All
1: that. right, moving on there. Then there I have Devontae Freeman. I think we've we've pretty much asked and answered. Do you worry about Tevin Coleman a little bit, except for the fact that the way they use these running backs in the passing game, I don't have fear of one overshadowing the other. Now, these guys can be a little frustrating because there were certain weeks there was Tevin Coleman games and there was Devontae Freeman games, and that could hurt you. But by and large, the end product for both guys was such that I don't have any fear of owning either because of the other, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And usually what seems to happen, Rick, I, I agree with you, but they always seem to have their total yards. Right. One, one guy might have the big game, but they'll usually have right around at least 100 total yards, yeah, it seems yeah. like, in that offense. And you can live with that. And Freeman seems to be, he seems to be the the, the bigger game guy. I Probably just out of sheer volume. He's a touchdown guy around the end zone lots of times, you know, running. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I I think both those guys are up there. I think Coleman takes away some of his value, but maybe in the long run he enhances his value in long term. Right. Yeah, I think you
1: get him a little bit of rest. You give him a change of pace. I I, I think these two work together. Sometimes I worry – I worry about DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. These two I don't worry about whatsoever. I think think they they both bring enough. And that offense is dynamic enough for there to be plenty to go around.
0: One question I wanted to bring up with you, you put him in at 11. Um, Danny Woodhead comes back next year. Does that give you pause on Melvin Gordon, uh, the workload of this guy? No, No, and here's
1: why. I mean, he still didn't Melvin... have 1,000 yards rushing. Precisely, precisely. And you see where he ranked amongst fantasy running backs, you know, at the end of the year with the time he missed at the end of the year, but even where his standing was at the time he went out. He wasn't putting up huge rushing numbers. He had no. one or two games with a bunch of catches, but by and large, he's not a part of that team's passing you know, game. 41 catches, which is reasonable, but nothing spectacular. This Chargers team gets in the end zone, they score points, and finally, after two years of him never being there, all of a sudden Melvin Gordon got them in the end zone. Right. And so I think that continues. It always makes you nervous with the touchdown dependent guy. When you got a guy coming off a double digit touchdowns, I don't know how much Danny Woodhead supplants that. And in fact, this is two of four years, two of five years, something where Danny Woodhead has suffered serious injuries. If Melvin Gordon is performing, you see less and less of Danny Woodhead in terms I think Danny Woodhead still has lots of value in PPR formats, a guy you can pick up late third running back flex, you know, first first guy off your bench, something like that. But I think Melvin Gordon has established himself as this is his job and now Danny Woodhead is that specialty secret weapon that he's supposed to be instead of being a primary
0: back like he's ended up being the last two or three years there in San Diego. I agree. I, I was just trying to get your take on him on because a lot of people, you know, Danny Woodhead's back next year, blah, blah, blah. Danny Woodhead is not a spring chicken any longer. He's going to be, I I think you hit it right on the head. I think he's going to be San Diego's, using the air quotes, Kevin Falk from from here on out. He could do that for six more years
1: if he's not on the field every snap like he had to be until Melvin Gordon established himself this season. All right, so where am I at? So I did Freeman at 16. Here's the first one. I don't know if you'll question it. I don't know if I'm going crazy here. But, Rick, Michael Thomas down there in New Orleans, I slotted him in at 17. The numbers he put – I know we're always worried, Rick, about these New Orleans receivers. Is it going to be Thomas? Is it going to be Cooks? Is it gonna, Who's it going to be? But Michael Thomas was almost Joe Horn-like <laughs> in avoiding that, was almost – who am I missing here? The, the, the occasional receiver that would step up and would have huge games and lower gains, but never take the zero like Brandon right. Cooks will do. Brandon Cooks will have 140 and two touchdowns at halftime this week and won't get targeted for two more weeks. Michael Thomas, for the most part, went healthy, he got dinged up at the end of the year, completely avoided that. He has emerged as that weapon for Drew Brees.
0: Well, let's face it. New Orleans is ridiculous. Drew Brees that offense they're always right up there the yeah, Drew Brees is still elite I think and kind of like Tom Brady until he decides he doesn't want to play anymore Michael Thomas was the seventh leading wide receiving scorer last year Brandon Cooks was 10 what what does that sound like <laughs> a couple years ago right Jordy Nelson yes. Randall Cobb absolutely
1: 100 percent.
0: yeah I mean so to put up it, it's it's the either or who do who do I like better? Now, you, Cooks
1: didn't make my top twenty. You like
0: Thomas better, right? I I tend to agree. He doesn't with you. have
1: those. He doesn't take the donut like Brandon Cooks will. Brandon Cooks did that a couple of times this
0: year. Yeah, I, I like. Yeah, you Thomas pull, hasn't done that. No, not. You know, it, it's it's going to be a crapshoot with New Orleans. You're going to have a stinker here and there. Oh, yeah. But I, but I think by they all do. I think by and large, you're right, Michael Thomas. I'm not. I'm certainly not going to argue. But, one guy I will say, with the off year that the offense had, and we talked about it earlier in the program, I think Doug Baldwin I think I would take over – i got him i got him at 21 he's the next receiver i have after thomas (laughs) so so we're
1: thinking the same way same same yeah I, i do like doug baldwin i think if they can get a running game going there baldwin emerges back to his 2015 stature as opposed to i mean he had good games in 16
0: Now i know you're just this is way too early top 24 throwing caveats out at you say tony romo goes to denver What's that do to the Demarius Thomas marker? Yeah, Thomas, Sanders. I wonder if one devalues the other
1: just because you don't know which one to draft where. Not that they hurt each other's production on the field, but it makes it such a mind-blower to decide who to draft where. But, yeah, if you get a Tony Romo, if you get anybody who can throw the football, Demarius Thomas moves up into this top 24 because he's not there right now, neither him nor Emmanuel Sanders.
0: All right. Yeah, I just, uh, just like playing head games. Yeah, you know. so
1: after Thomas, I went uh, – Three, yes, I went three running backs right in a row. I went Jordan Howard. Okay. We, we talked about him at right. length. Maybe a little too low there. Here's a guy I'm targeting, Rick, at 19. That you know seems crazy to be able to get him there. Seems crazy, maybe that I'd target him there after the season he just had. If I get a talent that likes to talk Gurley at 19. That's where I'm going to take that risk. I think Todd Gurley's got to bounce back. I think Jerry Goff's got to get better, or they bring somebody better. It's it's got to be better with Sean McVay out there. Something's got to give. I don't think that was a Todd Gurley problem. That was a Jeff Fisher and L.A. Rams problem. I think Todd Gurley bounces back, not to his top five stature, but I'll be targeting Todd Gurley here at the end of this second round.
0: Todd Gurley could turn out to be one of the – real, I'm not going to say sleeper or anything, but he could be a real comeback player in 2017. I agree. The Rams have got to be better. They have to be. I mean, at least in offensive game planning. I mean, some sort of variety right? to let Gurley – exploit his talent. Yeah, it, I mean, there's just got to be something <laughs> yeah, there.
1: Something, something has to give, absolutely. And so that's what I'm counting on here. And right after him, and I'll tell you what, here's another guy who could shoot way up, way up if they find a reason. Maybe same scenario you brought up with Demarius Thomas. If you get Tony Romo in Houston, I, Lamar Miller, I have him at 20 now. He could instantly vault up six, seven, eight slots if they have a reasonable quarterback and a reasonable offense down there in Houston.
0: Boy, I'll tell you what. A quarterback would do wonders in that offense. And we'd be talking about DeAndre Hopkins again. (laughs) And there's so much, so much a good quarterback in Houston could do. This could go from a decent team that wins a crummy division
1: to the favorites in the AFC with that defense. Yeah,
0: exactly. If
1: you had any quarterback, I agree 100%. All right, we only got a minute or two left, so I'll go through them quick. Doug Baldwin, we mentioned. Rick, I know once bitten, twice shy. I'm going to be willing to bet that some of what happened in Jacksonville this year was an anomaly. And if I drafted – where am I sitting? If I drafted Zeke Elliott at number three, and then I can come back at number 22 and get Allen Robinson, I'd be pretty comfortable with that start to my draft. All right. I know, I know, I know. After him, 23, I put him here more because I believe he belongs there, but I want to talk about him. Adrian Peterson, and I round out the top 24 with Sammy Watkins.
0: Okay, I'm. I'm going to. I know we don't have much time left, and we got to get going. And we'll have plenty of time to discuss this. But yet again, yet again, the disrespect just keeps coming. The leading receiver <laughs> I I in know. the NFL with 107 catches is beaten out by Sammy Watkins and a broken foot. Would you draft? La- Larry I would Gerald def- in the second round. Would I you would do t- it? if if it came between him and Sammy Watkins. You better believe it. I, you better. Believe I got a it.
1: thing for Sammy Watkins, and I, I don't know why. Maybe it's <sighs> foolish. I feel like if he could stay healthy, the the rare occasion he's healthy, he looks like one of the three or four best receivers in the league. But it's a rare occasion. I grant I'm you. I'm taking
0: that. Larry Fitzgerald over Sammy Watkins. I'm taking Amari Cooper over Sammy Watkins, and I'm taking Jarvis Landry over Sammy Watkins. It, with the exception of Fitzgerald, the other two, they're young. I love Oakland's offense. Uh, I think Landry's coming into us. look this guy's a 90 plus catch guy oh, yeah. every year yeah. and
1: he's 8 yards but he's going to have 8 catches to know, 1136
0: eight yards, yards yeah, this
1: year look you know me I had that whole fit we spent a whole show me yelling at some guy for disrespecting Jarvis Landry so Rick we will have plenty of time to discuss that and my ridiculous man love for Sammy Watkins but we have got to go thank you so much for joining us here on the Arena Sports Network check us out on Twitter at us Asylum Football. Interact with the show. If you send something nice, Rick will read it on the air. We know that. AsylumFootball at gmail.com.
0: It's got to be really nice. Well, yeah,
1: real nice. If you want to hear the archives of the show, all the way back to the beginning, Again, Asylum Football, AsylumFantasy Sports.com. Again at AsylumFootball on Twitter. Check out the arena sports network, arenasportsnet.com. If you're
0: really nasty, we'll read it too. Yeah, we'll
1: read that too. Don't get us wrong. So asylumfootball <laughs> at gmail.com. Just be on one end of the spectrum or other, and you'll get lots of to shine here on the show so until next week thank you the arena sports network network next week 8 o'clock eastern right here on the arena sports network until then we'll see you
0: take care I, shall never told.
1: Uh, I could listen it makes no sense but I can listen to it forever
0: oh, that's
1: perfect. I just like this operatic rock thing I like it.